Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome to this very special edition of The Nonprofit Coach. Uh, today, our guests are coming to you live from BBCon. BBCon is BlackBot's conference, and that is at the Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center in National Harbor near Washington, D.C. We've got three terrific guests uh, here on the show. This is a special 90-minute edition uh, because uh, these are some of the top speakers at BBCon this year, and they are live here for our listeners. Now, as the uh, announcer mentioned, this is a live call-in show, so you can call in and ask questions. You can also join us in the chat room. I see you folks over in the chat room. Uh, you can also email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. As always, here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, we start with page one news. <laughs> A part of uh, Page One News is the show itself. This is Monday, October 1st, and uh, we are coming to you live uh, from the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, and uh, this is the special live edition from BBCon. Now, today's show is one of two shows that we will have for you this week. Uh, tomorrow is our regularly scheduled Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. That will be at 12 noon Eastern, uh, and uh, tomorrow you will uh, have right here on the show, make sure you call in, uh, uh, Linda Lysakowski will be here for, uh, for you tomorrow, uh, and she will be uh, uh, taking your calls on the topic of capital campaigns. So don't miss Linda Lysakowski on capital campaigns right here on the Nonprofit Coach tomorrow. As always, here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show, you can follow along with the radio links 
Uh, those are over at tedhart.com. Click on radio, and you will be able to find not only all the radio links, uh, the most important news in the nonprofit uh, sector there, but you will also find all the archives of prior shows, radio links. Today we have provided you links not only to the BB Conference uh, website, but also to the website of each of the guests that I will have here on the show uh, today. Over in the radio links, you will also find an article from Marketing Sherpa. We wanted you to uh, get a chance to read this because this is about email marketing. Six tactics on combining content and email strategies. Everything from understanding the content that's necessary in that's vital to email marketing uh, to making the blog, making your blog the hub of all of your content. So read all about that over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, Radio Show, uh, we've got uh, from Mashable, one of the smartest websites on the Internet, Why Social Media Makes Customer Service Better. Uh, so you want to make sure that you have the opportunity to read about how you can do a better job for your donors and for those that you provide service to by using social media. That's an article that comes to us from Mashable. Over in the radio links today, you will also find a link uh, to information about the YouTube nonprofit program. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that program. Does your organization have a compelling story to tell? Do you want to connect with your supporters, volunteers, and donors, but don't have the funds to launch expensive outreach campaigns? The YouTube nonprofit program can help. If I could give one piece of advice, it would be sign up for the YouTube nonprofit program. If I could give another piece of advice, it would just be to capture the story of your organization and use video to tell it because video is the most powerful medium by far. The nonprofit program helps you use YouTube as a powerful fundraising tool for your organization. In one weekend, we managed to raise enough to feed 500,000 children at school for one day. The video also gained over half a million views and had thousands of comments and tell stories that haven't been told. Because you guys, the YouTube community, started sharing these videos, there's been housing programs started and feeding programs started. Literally homeless people that were sleeping outside slept inside last night because of you guys. Over 10,000 nonprofits are already using YouTube's premium tools for nonprofits. Your organization can too. Learn more and apply at www.youtube.com nonprofits. And you can uh, listen to that again over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Next uh, up here, we're going to get right into page two because we have three experts for you today here on the show. Uh, so we're going to head right on over very quickly to page two. <laughs> Mark Chardon, who is the President and Chief Executive Officer of BlackBot, here live from BBCon, right here on this special edition of the Nonprofit Coach. Mark, previously to becoming the President and Chief Executive Officer of BlackBot, served as Chief Financial Officer for the $11 billion Information Worker Business Group at Microsoft, where he was responsible for the core functions of long-term strategic financial planning and business performance management. 
Mark joined uh, Microsoft in August of 1998 as general manager of Microsoft France. During his three-year leadership, the subsidiary remained one of the three most admired companies by French professionals and achieved increased customer satisfaction. Prior to joining Microsoft, uh, Mark was the general manager of Digital France. Uh, Mark is a dual citizen of the United States and France, and more importantly, he is right here at his very own conference, BBCon. Mark Chardon, welcome back to the Nonprofit Coach. Hey, thank you, Ted. It's great to be here today. Mark, it was such an exciting conference. So many people look forward to uh, to BBCon. Uh, I tell people that uh, the BlackBot conference is one of the best run, well run uh, conferences anywhere that you can attend around the world. Um, what is the uh, attention to detail uh, that you get with BlackBot? Why why does that matter at your conference? Oh, you know, one of the things that's great about being in the nonprofit sector is the passion that both uh, everybody in the organizations we serve and the people who come to work at BlackBot have. And so, you know, if everybody here realizes that people need to walk away with something they can do different on, on the day after they get back home because uh, otherwise the investment isn't worth the time first. But second, uh, you know, there's opportunities that will just go unmet and support that won't happen to the, you know, these incredible missions that are represented by the 2,600 people who are here this year. So 2,600 people attending uh, BBCon, how does that stack up to prior years? Oh, it's uh, it's significantly larger than uh, in previous years, Ted. It's our 13th conference. Um, you know, and one one of the main dimensions of, of, of becoming larger this year was the uh, combination with Convio. And so the Convio Summit and BBCon uh, have come together in three short months to produce um, you know, what I've you know, in the first day I've seen as an outstanding event. I mean, people, the energy here is, as people are learning from uh, from their colleagues who were on other platforms over and, 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 and chose them for really fantastic reasons, um, the energy is just it's extraordinarily wonderful and motivational here. Well, one one thing you can always say about BlackBot is it's a company on the move. And one of the big uh, announcements uh, this year, as you just uh, mentioned, and I want to jump right in, what is the significance of uh, the Convio merger? Well, you know, the, the the economy is pretty choppy, as I'm sure some of your other guests will have talked about. And the challenge of, of delivering on the mission in the nonprofit sector has not gotten easier. In fact, uh, not a single person at the keynote yesterday raised their hand when they said, is your job easier than it was last year, let me tell you. And so, uh, you know, it's the time to bring the best of online fundraising and the best, you know, constituent relationship management platforms together. And the, you know, the demand to get those integrated and to produce a 360-degree view of your supporter, your constituent, your volunteer, your advocate, you know, that is, that, that's omnipresent because you know, the, every organization needs to get ahead of the shifts that are happening and, and how donors and supporters relate to your cause. And and with with uh, that that merger, it, it doesn't it sort of just recognize how uh, the internet and the use by nonprofits is no longer completely separated from all other functions. Oh, absolutely! You know, it used to be when I joined the company six seven years ago. You know, you sold uh, internet to the marketing organization, and you sold the CRMs to the to the advancement or the development organizations, and. And now, um, that, absolutely, that's the key driving factor which made the acquisition of Convio at this time, you know, relevant where it might not have been in the past. You know, there, 
the Luminate offering, uh, the online offering, the event offering, and also the, the CRM that's on Salesforce, you know, Convio have done a masterful job of, of, of riding that, uh, that wave towards the Internet from sort of more traditional direct marketing uh, and, and event fundraising, and they've, they've really produced a leading set of tools. And people want, you know, the data about you or me or any other supporter to be in one place, not to be spread out across the organization. So that mergers. It, it's happening with a vengeance, and it's happening fast, Ted. And, and so other than Convia, what else is new about BlackBot uh, this year that's important for my listeners to, uh, uh, to understand? Well, obviously, um, you know, that when you, when you are a company of our size and you cover as many sectors, there's a huge amount of sort of product change that's occurred over the past year. So, you know, the sessions here, there are 160 uh, educational sessions. Uh, many are sort of CE or CFRE credit type sessions, but many are also roadmap sessions. So people are here to hear about Luminate, about our CRM, about online marketing, about the Salesforce platform, about Patron Edge, so then version four, a next generation ticketing solution. Uh, one of the things that's the coolest is the Razor's Edge now has a, a mobile uh, module, so you can go to the App Store or to uh, to the Android uh, uh, app uh, space and download that. Uh, in fact, the, the, the Razor's Edge mobile module is so easy they even let me demo it, which is <laughs> which is saying something. Uh, you know, new versions of the analytics tools that help people do prospect research and and segmentation in the database. I mean, the amount people come here to find out what engineering has done and what they're going to do to make their ability to, you know, raise the resources necessary to support their mission or to achieve their mission happen. And and that's those are the ones where people are spilling out the back doors, Ted. Well, and and it, I, I would I would dare say, correct me if I'm wrong, that that the the those people who attend BBCon are sort of self-selected into understanding technology at a higher level than the average uh, nonprofit. Um, the, the, so would that be a, tr- a fair statement for those who attend BBCon? You know, I, I think there's quite a mix. I mean, uh, you know, obviously the, the highest percentage of sort of job function would be people who do the, the management of the databases and the tools and, and those who support the, the teams who are actually driving the mission, but we have a lot of development people and we have a lot of marketing people, and there are plenty who come up to me and say, you know, I don't understand the technology, but here's my tech person. And so oftentimes organizations will come as two or three people uh, so that they can follow the fundraising track as well as the technology track. And, you know, there are, there are, there's about a dozen different tracks here from you know, financial management and fund accounting through uh, arts and cultural organizations, so birds of a feather by vertical, and then there are product line tracks, uh, both by, uh, you know, online and, and offline marketing as well as sort of for large and small organizations. So it's a very, you know, there's a very broad range, and people often bring both technical and non-technical people to the event. Well, and and uh, and and when you uh, uh, mention broad range, that really describes Blackbaud now, doesn't it? I mean, you have you have products at different price points now. You have products at varying degrees of complexity now. So you're sort of you're no longer one note. You, you you've got a lot going on. How how do people uh, make sense of all that? Well, you know that's an ongoing challenge. I it, I'd be um, I'd be saying less than the truth if I said we uh, have a perfectly clear product roadmap and everybody instantaneously knows where they are. And, and that's sort of the challenge. I mean, if we were a, an accounting 
a software company, we'd be SAP and we'd be Sage and we'd be um, QuickBooks. So, you know, I mean, we have that, that range of, of solutions across a CRM suite, across an online suite, uh, you know, is um, is somewhat challenging to navigate sometimes. And uh, we've made some good progress in three months uh, with the Conveo acquisition, but it's the time for us to make the offering simpler and to make it really clear if you're an arts and cultural institution of, you know, in, in the middle of your sized market, then it's an all-true solution, and that's the thing we lead with, and that's because it's the thing that produces the most value, say, for an arts and cultural customer. Uh, you know, I think that we're probably halfway down the path to that, and, um, and that's why people come to navigate it and to try to understand where we're going to be uh, when we get to the, uh, you know, this even more focused and, and, and clearer, uh, you know, solution portfolio. That's one of the downsides of having had several acquisitions over the years is that you, uh, if you're going to be graceful about helping people, you know, move to, uh, m- uh, migrate to something that's more exciting to them uh, over time, you A, have to take time, and B, you have some duplication for a period of time. If that makes sense, Ted. But. Well, yeah, no, it, it does. But it, one of the things, and I don't think it's exclusive to, to technology, but one of the things that's interesting to me always about technology is how, uh, attached people come to the solutions that they choose, um, almost like they become groupies. Um, so when you have uh, competitors coming together, do, do you do you feel any uh, resentment from people that well now you own Convio and you were the opposition and uh, because it, it does become very personal when you're using uh, one platform or another almost every day. Well, you know, I think that's a, I think that's the edge case. The the primary, um, you know, and obviously this is a self-selecting population of people who want to move forward, uh, who come here to attend the conference. So there obviously were some comments about roadmap decisions, and but on the whole, the number one thing that people are looking for is help me understand deeply what integration between the online and the offline means. What's actually going to happen? What happens if on the online website this person's got three emails? How is that going to show up in the Razor's Edge? How is that going to show up in Luminate CRM? And, and that uh, you know, desire to dive into the detail of what gets centralized, what is the database of record, how can I decide to better segment um, you know, a, a, my, my donor file or my volunteer file, and, and most importantly, how do I do a multi-channel strategy where um, what's the right order and the right rhythm of online and offline communication to optimize the connection to the cause? Because in, in the modern world, connection precedes contribution as opposed to, as opposed to the contrary. And, and would you say that Blackwood, uh that's still a journey um, in terms of uh, the companies that you currently own and are integrating and poten- potentially um, looking down the road to other acquisitions? Well, uh, let me first be clear. I, I have uh, no desire to make other acquisitions <laughs> in the near future. I mean, nothing okay. of any significance. It, you know, we, we, with, with Convia, we have the best online Now, now Mark, let me, let me just cover. ask you, is that you making news here on the nonprofit coach that there's there's no, uh, no uh, big no, mergers? I have told the- some in I've told some. Uh, investors, it's uh, it's never wise to surprise your investors with comments like that, Ted. So uh, no, I'm uh, I'm entirely in uh, I'm entirely in agreement with regulation uh, fair disclosure from our CC. So <laughs> well, I have no so, problem uh, with you making news on the nonprofit codes. Go ahead. I understand, but uh, you know the the main point here is that 
you know, once you've got, you know, enough is en- the right amount is enough, and this is the right amount. We have the leading online tools and we have the leading CRM tools, and our customers are saying, don't confuse the situation. I want this stuff to work together seamlessly because I've got a mission to address, and I've got to spend less time figuring out how I support the mission. I've got to figure out more how to spend more time doing the mission. And, and you know what? It, so when people talk to me in this conference about the Convio acquisition, 95 times out of 100, they're saying, I want the integration faster than you're doing it. And we'll say, okay, well, come and sit down and do some product discovery with us. Help us understand what you want to have happen when the online person has three email records and and how do you want that to show up in your database and what do you want to do with that and what are you trying to achieve. And this is a huge amount of learning for us as an organization. Blackboard. Uh, both the, the BlackBot Classic people and the and the Convio Classic people, all of us are learning here together from customers, and there's an enormous amount of product discovery that happens here, which is fantastic. Ted. Yeah, and, and I have to say, I I heard a lot less um, sort of concern about the BlackBot Convio merger um, than than I think we would have heard a few years ago. I think that the that to me that's an indication of of how mature the market. Has become that that it it wasn't um, earth shattering in a negative way for for most people. We certainly didn't uh, uh, get a big indication of that here on the show. Well, there, you know, there's always a vocal um, a minority, um, but you're right, and, and you know, I, I attribute that to the what's happened in the economy since 2009, Ted. You know, organizations have realized that the new normal is choppy economies, and choppy economies typically mean for our customers more demand for their services lower government funding for those that do receive grants, donors who are more cautious. Donors are, are doing fewer donations of more significance now, and they're changing their mindset from giving to investing. And all of that has truly changed the, the landscape uh, around fundraising, around providing resources for the mission in a way that just wasn't there in 2008. And and so I think that a big part of that maturity, if that's the right word, uh, of that evolution of the market has come from the realization that, you know, go-go days aren't going to happen for a while, and so we might as well get going. Exactly. And, 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 and uh, um, in the, the varying types of uh, services that are available uh, for nonprofits um, continues to change, but also through mergers, um, would you say that there's more opportunity for nonprofits now than there were a few years ago? Oh, I, I really do. Uh, you know, the, the world has um, ha- has accelerated dramatically, and this concept. You know, I always when I when, when I'm asked to talk about cloud computing, I ask people, "Well, wait a second. Are you saying are you talking about a technology, or are you talking about an experience?" Because mostly people are talking about an experience, and you know, the, the world outside the nonprofit sector, the, the cloud experience, oh, download an app, throw it away, it costs, only costs 99 cents. Um, you know, go and do all of your banking centralized on your phone, be, know where people are, geolocation. I mean, the number of changes that, that you know, you sort of have to navigate uh, means that organizations that are, that are figuring out how to surf these changes are doing pretty darn well now, Ted. Um, yeah. I don't know, you know, how you hear uh, hear it, uh, you know, from other other guests, but let me tell you, that's what I'm hearing here. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that uh, you know, there's there's still always that that mystery of what should I be doing, what don't I know about, 
Um, but I think certainly the utilization and the, the hunger for technical solutions uh, to everyday issues, um, ha, I think, has never been greater. Um, so how does that position BlackBot going forward? Are, are you a technology company or are you a strategy company? Well, uh, we're primarily a technology company. Make no mistake about it. And we know more than any other organization in the world about what people, what data you need in order to cultivate supporters and what the business processes are and how you make information solutions support that. Um, we obviously do uh, give strategic advice, but there's an enormous ecosystem of people who are specialized by vertical, by size of organization, by donor type, by campaign type, uh, and many of those partners are here, by the way, uh, in our partner expo. And, and um, that, that vibrant ecosystem is absolutely critical uh, to an organization like ours. And we're primarily in the business of providing the best tools and some advice about how to use it, and then a lot of information about the big data that, that, that is in there, which is our analytics side of our business, Ted. So, um, you know, it, it, this, is, uh, this takes more than a village in order for us to, to move this forward, and the partners uh, the strategic partners are, 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 you know, dedicated and excellent in our sector. So we're very fortunate. I, I think you are uh, fortunate, and I, I think that at least from the uh, the perspective of of uh, those that, that are not inside to uh, to Blackbud, um, you see many more offerings coming together from uh, various different sectors of the nonprofit world. Um, just at the time when nonprofit managers need to be able to see some of those pathways. Um, you said that uh, earlier that, uh, you know, the merger and, and, and trying to, you know, find the right path for, for people to determine what do they need um, is evolving. Um, what advice can you give to our listeners today in terms of how they would approach BlackBot if they don't know what they need? Well, um when in doubt, you know, send me an email. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of kidding in one level. I mean, I get lots of them, so any BlackBot person should be able to connect you to, to a, a person who um, is either in the sales or marketing or the solutions organization, depending on what you're, you're interested in. You can go to the website. You can um, – so there are a lot of different ways. The best possible way, however, is to do what this current um, – nonprofit generation does, which is ask your friends what's happening. And, that, and many of them will be using products and services from us. And, and, you know, reaching out to your peers is a really important part of how people make uh, you know, decisions around solutions in, in today's world. And um, so they can either reach out to us or they can reach out to their network. And I'd, I'd suggest they do both. Well, Mark, you just gave me the perfect opportunity to remind our listeners uh, about our LinkedIn group, which is now approaching 2,000 of your peers uh, that are together in the people-to-people -people fundraising, online uh, fundraising and social media uh, uh, group over on LinkedIn, and you can find that uh, link so you can join uh, that group uh, over at LinkedIn, or you can go directly to the p2pfundraising.org website, uh, and you can sign up right there. So we, we are approaching 2,000 people uh, in that group who are actively talking to each other, sharing information. You're familiar with, uh, with LinkedIn and how easy it is for people to connect, and that's just one platform that's available. That's a, it's a, you know, we have a, we have plenty of those, and 2,000 people in one place is a great place to start. That's uh, that's almost the size of the conference, Ted. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Almost, a, almost the size of the. Year. 
the conference. Uh, now, Mark, um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to play a little bit of a clip here uh, because uh, since I've got you and you're a technology guy, uh, you'll appreciate uh, a big company that I think uh, many of the listeners today uh, will uh, will recognize. Uh, celebrated a milestone, a, a birthday, if you will, uh, just a few days ago. So we're going to uh, do a little bit of a celebration together. Uh, just a one second. Celebrated their 14th birthday. Uh, is it hard to remember a day uh, 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 running a business without Google? <laughs> not, not, not really. Unfortunately, I'm not young enough to claim that it is, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I'm is old, the significance? Uh, I mean, your company has evolved from being just uh, sort of a, a legacy uh, system to now being, you know, having offerings across the internet. Um, what what is the significance of the internet moving forward in the success of overall fundraising, or or is it just a fad? Well, at one level, my internet uh, director of internet solutions says, you know what, the internet is is going away, and I, then people look at him like he's you know got seven heads, and he says, well, I mean, it's going away in the sense that it's just part of the products now. It's not like oh, there's an internet solution and there's a not internet solution. Internet is just a it's just a fact and it's just a platform and it's just a place and it's and it's a cloud and so it's got a lot of repercussions. But you know, having a separate internet group is no longer the right way to approach this. And that's what you're when you said earlier, you know, customers you know, don't have an internet team and uh and a and a fundraising team anymore. They've got a how do you relate to people and oh by the way, internet's just a fact of life and so so you know it, it, it's just that way. It, it's very hard to imagine at one level, you know, that it's only 14 years that Google was there, right? Right. The, the, it's not that. It's not that I can't remember before that. Unfortunately, it's that I can't imagine that it's only been 14 years because it seems like it's been there forever in a in a very good sense. It's like it's just part of life. Because it really has rewritten. Uh, the story of BlackBot, just the the, the ever presence. I think I think the point that you're making is that uh, internet is no longer separate. It's not it's not something that is separated from your business where there's there's somebody who does that internet thing. But you know products and and service provision and fundraising and data and all of that is now uh, needs to be connected to the internet if you're in any way uh, going to succeed. Well, and what's especially true about that is that the generational shift that's continuing to occur in supporters and donors and volunteers um, means that the generations you're trying to build connection with now didn't ever exist in a world where there wasn't a cell phone and there wasn't the Internet. So, you know, for people like me that remember both sides of the divide, you know, that's one thing. But when you sort of can't even imagine what it was like to not have a cell phone, uh, and I was 40% of the kids, you know, of, of people my children's age, have their cell phone on and within arm's reach while they're sleeping. That's a different world than I grew up in. 
And you know what? Yeah, I, 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 I have to well. say, I, I, I haven't quite gone there. I actually do leave it in another part of the house when I sleep because I, I don't want the phone that close to me. But I, I do have it all, all uh, the rest of, uh, of the day, and it is uh, an important part of my ability to do my work. So is that where uh, BlackBot is moving, is in the mobile space now? Well, many of our products over the past year have have truly uh, made leaps forward in the in the mobile side. You know, I, I mentioned the Razor's Edge mobile earlier. You know, Razor's Edge in, the, in its tradition was you went and asked someone for a report on a major donor, and then you took this piece of paper and you went and flew someplace. And if something happened between when the paper came out and when you talked to the donor, you didn't know about it. All right, now you just go on your iPhone, you click on the RE mobile page, put in your password, of course, because it's, you know, sensitive data, but if uh, transactions happen, what's in there, you know, seconds after it occurred, and so you know whether someone's fulfilled their pledge, you know whether, how many, you know, people are on the team that they've, uh, that, that they're driving, if it's a team-oriented event or whatever, and, and those kinds of, those kinds of, of real-time relationships and also personal interaction with the data means that, you know, you write your trip order piece immediately afterwards or dictate it to your iPhone. You put the actions into it immediately. It's in the database. And those kinds of things are absolutely transforming the work of a development, for, uh, for example, a principal gift officer uh, in universities or uh, in, in independent schools or what hospitals and so on. So that major gift function is changing. But that's true in museums. It's true for events. It's you know, it's just everywhere. People don't expect that it won't show up on the iPad or the iPhone or the Android or the BlackBerry. And, when and it would it be fair to up, say, Mark, that probably nothing has been transformed uh, more completely than donor research? Well, that's true. Donor research now uh, does have to show up, uh, you know, everywhere, which is sort of the use case of it. But the most amazing part of, of donor of donor research at this point is that people's presence online has a huge, huge uh, ability to help you understand their affinities and, and their causes. And so the question of how do, you, how do you understand people's online presence and how do you sort of navigate the right amount? I mean, you don't want to keep every tweet and every, you know, every Facebook post or whatever in some central repository because that's not, that's not information or wisdom. That's just stuff. But you have to figure out also whether they're thought leaders or followers, whether they're present, not present, what they're, what causes they do support. Those kinds of things are way more distributed and crowdsourced than they were in the past on uh, on donor research. So it's it's honestly transforming enormously what you can, what, you know, how you can think about relating to donors, Ted. Yeah, absolutely, and and. Uh... Uh, we've got uh, two other uh, experts that you have been so kind, you and your staff have been so kind to recruit for the show today. Uh, I could I could sit here and talk uh, for, for an hour with you, Mark. Uh, where you are placed and what your company is doing is so important in building that platform, building that access point for nonprofit organizations to be able to uh, succeed online. Uh, continue the good work continue building uh, the kinds of resources that nonprofit organizations need and desire to be able to do an even better job with their donors and their communities, and that is BlackBot. Today I want to thank Mark Chardon, the President and Chief Executive Officer, for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach. Thanks for having us, Ted, and thanks for broadcasting BBCon again this year. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you for the invitation. Always a pleasure uh, to work with you folks. Um, I also want, to, Mark, before I let you go, just give you a, uh, another shout-out. I want to thank uh, BlackBot for their continuing support of the Digital Leap Conference that uh, I help host up in Toronto uh, each uh, spring, and that's been uh, very important for that conference, and always nice to have BlackBot as a partner there. So thank you uh, personally for the support that you give to that important conference in Canada. Next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach uh, is an icon, uh, someone who, who probably really does not need much of, a, of an introduction, but Roger Craver uh, has been an icon in the nonprofit sector uh, for quite some time. He's a pioneer in direct response fundraising uh, for some of the household names such as uh, uh, philanthropy groups in America and throughout Europe. He's the founder of Craver, Matthew Smith & Company. Uh, Roger is also the founder and CEO of Donor Trends. So some of the topics I was just talking to, uh, Mark Sardon, we've now got an expert who uh, not only knows this stuff but was a founder uh, of Donor Trends. This is the independent research firm that tracks giving and fundraising trends and provides innovative data solutions uh, for fundraisers. Among the organizations, and this is just a, a small list of the very impressive organizations who turn uh, to Roger for uh, advice. He helped launch and build uh, Amnesty International's uh, fundraising uh, approach, uh, Habitat for Humanity International, Handgun Control, Greenpeace, Common Cause, American Civil Liberties Union, uh, the ACLU, uh, World Wildlife uh, Fund International, the Heifer Project International, the International Campaign for uh, Tibet. So you can see his heart's in the right place, but he's also doing really good work uh, in innovating and providing service. He's also very proud, and he's going to talk, talk just a little bit more. Uh, he likes to be called an agitator. Uh, he's the chief editor of the agitator.net. Uh, the daily online information service that provides fundraising advice and insights each morning to thousands of fundraisers around the world. Uh, so welcome here on the Nonprofit Coach, Roger Craver. Hey, Ted. It's good to be with you. It's, uh, it's, a, it's always an honor. You work harder than anyone I know to spread the word and to, to keep ideas flowing. So my thanks and hat off to you. Well, I'm, I'm I'm happy to do that, and it gives uh, uh, people an opportunity to talk to find folks like you and uh, and to Mark uh, people who you know sort of uh, live in the stratosphere, and and for the average nonprofit, they might not have access uh, to uh, the the wisdom that you bring to our marketplace. I, I'm going to start right off with uh, uh, asking you uh, about uh, the agitator and and your role and and why you like to be an agitator. Well, one of the biggest enemies of uh, successful organizing and organizing can be campaigning or fundraising or any of the myriad activities nonprofits uh, engage in. The largest enemy is complacency, and it is too it is too easy, given the pressure of everything else in the daily and workday week, to to simply uh, repeat and do over and over again what. Uh, what a person's been doing. And so that needs stirring up ideas and practices need uh, challenged and uh, new ideas need to be uh, put up in the air and shot down or put up in the air and applauded. And uh, that's, uh, that's what my co-editor Tom Belford and I try to do uh, each weekday morning. Roger, I, I have to say, I, you know, I, I refer to you as, a, as an icon at the top of the show, and that's that's not a phrase that we use uh, on the show uh, lightly. Although we do have 
many people on this show who are luminaries like yourself. Uh, Kramer Matthews Smith and, and company um, is such an important uh, thought leader uh, in this sector. You're, you're the founder of that. Um, when you look at the list of company of uh, organizations uh, that you have really helped them build their fundraising programs, I, I see a lot of passion in those organizations. To what is the role of passion in your your success in these companies? Are they are they just businesses? No, this never. I, I started out as a uh, as an organizer uh, in uh, in civil rights, and uh, then became active in the anti Vietnam War activity and. Many of these movements that uh, that I helped uh, start and build, like the National Organization for Women and Common Cause, and older organizations like the American Civil Liberties Union and the Sierra Club that we uh, that we built uh, built larger, are are, are organizations uh, that reflect my heart. I never never intended to get into this business. What I what I found out uh, was as I worked in these movements, that an essential engine for citizen action is finance that uh, organizations need money and when i when i got into it ted this was in the uh this was in the late 50s early 60s uh most financing of organizations the funding of organizations came from major uh, donors came from uh, foundations came from labor unions there there wasn't a tradition of the male being used to, uh, to to get large numbers of small gifts and, there, and therefore help uh, social change along. And, and social change, in fact, wouldn't be possible had it not been for the invention or the development of uh, basically direct response fundraising because you can, through that technique, a set of techniques and channels, you can now get hundreds of thousands or millions of people supporting the cause and you're no longer dependent on one or two major donors being able to say, well, you know, uh, if you do this, I'm going to cut off your funding, or if you don't do this, I'm not going to give you anymore. So the the technologies of direct mail, which is an old technology, of course, and now all the newer technologies are essential to citizen action. Well, and, and, and thank you for that uh, that pathway to my my next question. We just had, you know, Mark Sardon, who who is uh, leading BlackBot in in uh, some very exciting new directions, and and certainly uh, as as he mentioned, um, the internet, mobile is is just no longer something that is separate. It's just uh, an integrated uh, resource into almost everything. What about the work that you do? Is, is it as ever present, um, the internet and mobile um, in the work that you do, or uh, since you're you, you sort of cut your teeth on more traditional fundraising, um, what's the role of that? No, it's uh, it's absolutely essential. And uh, what what today's uh, uh, social media and uh, online activity uh, is essential for is reinforcing. Uh, direct mail. You know, there's a as I said you've been you've been around also a long time, and you know there's an increasing uh, belief, and it, it, it surfaces about every other year uh, that direct mail is dead. Well, direct mail will be dead when a meteor hits the United States uh, Postal <laughs> Service. But uh, uh, the fact the fact is that direct mail, among all age cohorts, uh, in the research we do, is still the preferred method of being solicited. 
And if it's sent by a friend uh, or, or recommended by a friend or endorsed by a friend through social media, then it works even better. So the, the way I've come to look at this is that uh, the, the direct mail letter is the, uh, is the main rail on this, uh, on this track to success. And then there are supporting rails uh, of social media, of email, uh, of uh, broadcast and, and other things, but but increasingly social media and email uh, are uh, are really uh, reinforcing direct uh, direct mail, and uh, so it's uh, it's a wonderful heyday, I think. I think we're in in almost a platinum age uh, for uh, for fundraisers, particularly uh, fundraisers involved with social change and and uh, compassionate causes. That seems to be a common theme um, among your 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 client base. Uh, social change, as I said before, a lot of, a lot of passion. Um, do you seek out those those kinds of customers, or uh, do they seek out you because you have an expertise in that that uh, that space? Well, it's it's both. I mean, I wouldn't uh, I, I I wouldn't work uh, for for any cause or organization I don't believe in. And uh, in the early days, this was years and years ago, so actually, I hate to tell you, 45 years ago, uh, the, I, I was the first employee and launched an organization called Common Cause, and it was, uh, it was the first of the left of center or, let's say, the extreme middle organizations, liberal organizations, or progressive, I guess, is the fashionable word these days, uh, to, to make direct mail succeed. And it grew from zero to 500,000 members uh, in, in virtually uh, five months. And so that became the template for other organizations which uh, or other founders who then sought me out. So right after Common Cause came uh, the National Organization for Women, came the National Abortion Rights Action League, came Environmental Defense, came uh, older groups like the Sierra Club and ACLU and the League of Women Voters. So that that uh, success, I guess, begets success. But that was also a very, the, the late 60s were a very yeasty uh, period in our national history, not not unlike what we've uh, been going through here. The Vietnam War was raging. Congress was paralyzed. The students uh, were up in arms. Uh, the, you know, it was, it was just a lot of uh, Frustration that, that uh, could be passed, and that's uh, that's why those movements were started, and they did a lot of uh, they did a lot of good. And now there are other movements that are uh, some of, some of them not in the streets and and is on the front pages as uh, those those seventies movements or sixties movements were, but nonetheless uh, nonetheless important. And you have uh, the internet, uh, the, the web, supporting groups uh, like Global Giving and other other just action-oriented charities where the individual donor can, uh, can become involved, the, the charity itself can, can be accountable for the work that particular projects are doing. So there is, there is potentially so much more involvement possible on the part of the donor, which really makes a big, uh, makes a big difference in fundraising that type. 
In, uh, you mentioned a, a few moments ago this this ongoing. Uh, there's so many different uh, uh, blogs and uh, uh, places on the internet where you can weigh in on you know is direct mail dying. Uh, it reminds me of uh, a couple of years ago, Mel Warwick uh, uh, weighed in on this uh, on Frog Loop um, and got a lot of comments, including from myself and Vinay Baguette and, and other uh, folks, uh, Beth Cantor and, and others who, who weighed in on that. Um, and, it, and it seems that. One of the, the 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 things that always is brought up is how much is actually being raised online versus direct mail, um, and uh, and I think one of the the, the points that uh, uh, the mail uh, uh, makes is uh, that so much more money is raised by direct mail still. Um, it, it, it calls into question what is the role of the internet. So, what say you, Roger Craver? That Mal is uh, Mal is absolutely. Uh... Correct. About uh, about uh, three cents out of every dollar comes from uh, online activity. The rest of it is uh, either first-to-person solicitation or direct uh, direct mail. What what that doesn't uh, say, however, is how how much uh, the internet, both websites, email, social, everything else, uh, reinforces direct mail. But at the end of the day, when you uh, when you count up the money. The, the original source uh, is uh, is mail. Yeah, and, and it, it, but now it's now it's really a question. I mean, you just made a statement that uh, is sort of like, how are you counting this, or does it really even matter? Because uh, direct mail today is so influenced by what happens on the internet that is it an internet right. gift or is it a direct mail gift, depending on where the influence no, comes from, or. Is, is everything that comes in, in through the mail just automatically direct mail as if there were no roles for the Internet? No, the, uh, the, 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 you, you've just raised what is, a, what is an essential problem that the sector has not addressed very well, and that is the, the problem of siloing activity uh, so that there is a, an online department, there is a direct uh, mail department, there is a major gift department, and as a consequence, the uh, organizations that continue to, to operate with those separate silos are not getting the reinforcement of one medium up against another. They're usually not getting consistent uh, messaging across the, uh, the media, across the channels, which is almost always fatal. And uh, the, 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 the big enemy to making the, the successful leap that the whole nonprofit sector should be making uh, in this uh, in this change to the internet and mobile and everything else is is to eliminate silos because it's only then that you can see uh, how this works in tandem and, and uh, reinforces each other through the through the various channels and the various media. And and so Roger, um, all the, you you work with all of these. Uh, amazing organizations. You see lots of, of uh, different ways to manage success. Um, what what have you learned, or what advice can you give to listeners today in terms of sort of cracking that code of of optimum success in terms of how you manage your your operations? Because it sounds like while technology and and skill sets uh, have have moved on to to become much more integrated, uh, organizations are still 
still um, organizing themselves, structuring themselves uh, as if they were a couple decades ago. Right, because they're uh, you're exactly right, Ted. Because new new technologies have come along and they've been added on. With the I guess uh, the assumption that uh, that no one in the old fundraising department would know anything about the World Wide Web, for example. Let's go back to 1995 when that uh, that broke onto the scene. Well, every uh, Every organization that was interested in this new thing called the web uh, hired a webmaster, and it was uh, it was usually a 23-year-old kid who knew how to to operate a uh, computer, and suddenly he or she was the was the master of the web and decided what messages would go on there and what privacy policies and and oh, it was just a mess and. Uh, and, and often the, the fundraisers or even sometimes the communications department wouldn't know what was going on there. Well, that's, a, that's an extreme case, but I, uh, I have to tell you, it exists to this day in the majority. It's not of all that places. uncommon, uh, Roger. No. I, I was just with a, no. uh, a, a client organization over the weekend uh, whose uh, website, uh, w- the copyright date on the web, nobody remembered when it was built. Uh, but the copyright date on on the website was 2006. Uh, they had content that uh, was from 2007, 2008, as if it were supposed to be happening next weekend. Nobody had any passwords. Nobody knew how to do anything except that they had this one person who they had never met that they can send emails to who will eventually make updates to their website, but they they have no idea when it will actually happen, and, and that's how they manage their website. That is frightening. Uh, absolutely fun. frightening. Uh, absolutely frightening. Uh, so, uh, you know, we 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 set a, about getting them on a, a plan to uh, completely, re, you know, revise their uh, their website. I'm actually going to talk about that on the show uh, tomorrow. Um, but uh, but but not completely uncommon. There, you know, there, there's sort of that that first wave where nonprofits kind of got the idea that they need to be online, and so uh, somebody you know threw something up online. They didn't really know what the strategy would be, um, and then they forgot to look at it again all right well one of the one of the things i did when i we were the first company to get into the uh into building uh websites for the big uh international organizations like world wildlife fund and the international red cross and i had just come from an experience of uh of building a uh company that published uh, still is published the, the daily hotline a political information service that's uh that's distributed to the uh, the newspapers and the television networks and, and the White House and Congress and so forth. And, it, uh, and so it's changed, as the name of my hotline, it's changed hourly and daily. And so when when I started this company, New Media Publishing, we, we built websites, but we also changed content daily on them. And I, it never occurred to me that someone wouldn't do that. But uh, here we are, 20 years later, and there still are people who treat this as some sort of a, I guess, an electronic uh, brochure uh, to be hung out there in the ether somewhere. But it yeah, exactly. Very, very web 1.0 sort of approach to uh, yeah, creating a yeah. board, but not a dialogue. No, exactly. And the dialogue, given the change in uh, psychographics and demographics of donors, uh, is this is no longer a tell me world. You, the organization no longer tell donors what to do. Donors say to the organization, show me. Show me what to do, show me what you do, and show me how to get involved. 
Exactly. Uh, Roger Craver, um, we will be uh, right back after a little uh, reminder here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. Um, and when we come back, we do have an email question for you. So we'll be right back. Okay. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And we are back live here, and our guest, Roger Craver, is live from BBCon, uh, Black Boys Conference at National Harbor near Washington, uh, D.C. And, uh, Roger, our, uh, our listeners know that uh, if they're a little bit shy, which we do uh, often have uh, folks who are a little bit shy here, uh, they can email us questions or they can join us in the chat room. And I do see a number of people over in the chat room, folks, who can ask questions uh, in the chat room uh, as well. Uh, the question, the email question that came in came in from uh, – Sue Ellen in uh, Dallas, um, and she's asking about renting email lists and renting direct mail lists. Well, there are uh, there are direct mail lists of uh, donors that uh, that can be rented and uh, also can be exchanged, meaning you exchange your donor names with another organization, and there's no uh, no substantial money changes hands, but the names change hands. And and that is such a uh, a specialized business, uh, and, and and requires a specialized set of knowledge to re- to really work your way through the, the the millions of mailing lists that are out there. That you could uh, you 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 would be best served to find a list broker who works with nonprofit organizations and has had success with nonprofit organizations uh, similar to yours, Sue Ellen. So. You can you can get a list of uh, of recognized uh, list experts or list brokers from the Direct Marketing Association's website, uh, or from um, I think pr- probably I would go on the Direct Marketing Association's uh, site and uh, get the list of approved uh, uh, list brokers. On email, yeah, and, and Roger, do you make a distinction uh, between um, uh, renting email lists and renting direct mail lists? I mean, ethically, do you do you see any difference between those two? Well, there there might be an ethical uh, difference. Depends. It all depends how the email list uh, was compiled, because uh, right. e- email carries privacy, uh, often privacy restrictions with it. But in, in terms of renting email lists to uh, to acquire new donors, I, I wouldn't do that. I, that that is a that is a horrendous waste of uh, of money. You can you could rent email lists to to run up against the postal addresses on uh, on your donor file to see if you can append. That's called appending uh, email addresses to your uh, to your file so you can communicate in multi-channel ways with your donors. But I. I wouldn't recommend uh, uh, renting email lists simply to uh, send out uh, prospecting or acquisition uh, requests for funds. Yeah, I would. I absolutely agree with you. Um, I, you know, I mean, first of all, uh, to do prospecting by uh, by email is very likely to uh, have you seen as uh, sending spam. 
right. which uh, is, should should always be avoided. Um, but it's the integration of online and offline in the dialogue with your donors and and prospects, but but identified prospects, not not just a cold. I don't know who you are, but I got an email uh, address for you. So, what other advice do you have for uh, for Sue Ellen in in terms of um, how those might be used effectively in a strategy? Well, I think the uh, the best uh, the best advice I can give that I can give without knowing the circumstances is one: find an organization that you respect and whose work uh, you know has been successful, and spend some time with them uh, uh, asking what they're doing. Almost every organization will share information with a uh, with another nonprofit. The second uh, is speaking of the fact that we're here at the BBCon conference. Uh, the Blackboard uh, website has uh, a number of blogs, and uh, it has one master blog or mega blog uh, that you can subscribe to, and and they put out good stuff. On, uh, for example, I attended a session this morning. I was curious about the use of email to reinforce. I mean, I'm sorry, the use of online advertising to reinforce direct postal, direct mail. That was a fascinating uh, session that was given by uh, uh, Richard Becker, who's the president of Target Analytics. And th- that, for example, I'm sure will be on the BlackBaud uh, website in a day or two. So use the use that uh, BlackBaud site as a great resource. You can also get the agitator.net, go www.theagitator.net, and you can subscribe free to that. And we have uh, we have advice on there and. Uh, it's a searchable website, so you can uh, see what's uh, what's there that's of interest. And we have provided uh, Roger in the radio links today uh, for the show. You can go to tedhart.com, click on radio links, and you will find a direct link to Craver Matthew Smith. Uh, also, donortrends.com uh, and theagitator.net. So uh, anyone who did not get those. Uh, written down quite right, they can go to uh, the radio links for today's show, and they will have a live link directly uh, there. Uh, Roger, I, I do want to uh, go back um, before uh, we move on, and these these things always go way too quick. And uh, just as I told Mark, I could I could spend the entire show talking to you. Um, I want to go back to your your comments about dialogue um, and the role of social media today um, in a successful dialogue. Right. The uh... You know, a lot of uh, a lot of has been said about social media. Some people claim it's the next uh, uh, gate to successful fundraising. Others say it's a bust. The the fact is that in a in this age we live in, more and more people are influenced by the comments of their friends and people they trust than anything else. So I've I've paid a good deal of attention to making certain that social media is is used by donors in an organization who are good influencers, who are missionaries, who who uh, know how to communicate the mission. And uh, I've just seen in study after study that we've done at Donor Trends that these influencers are are money in the bank. I mean, these are these are people who really will drive traffic to your website, who really will reinforce. Uh, the uh, the commitment that some of their friends make that might not be as big a commitment as you'd like, but the fact that now a friend is talking about how good the ABC organization is, suddenly the gifts begin going up. So the the more these inexpensive technologies can be can be used to reinforce the basic message and to put that 
basic message in the hands of people who will communicate it with the friends, the better, as far as I'm concerned. I, I would uh, I would definitely uh, definitely uh, agree with you there, uh, Roger Craver. Wonderful to have you here on the uh, on the show today. Uh, very thoughtful as always, and uh, what you have done uh, uh, to uh, build solid companies and to bring solid strategy uh, to the uh, the nonprofit uh, sector uh, is so important to our our ability to move uh, beyond just sort of you know scattershot. Uh, just ask everybody to becoming much more targeted and understanding um, both the art and science of uh, of fundraising. I want to thank you very much for being my guest here on The Nonprofit Coach. Ted, it's been a pleasure, and thank you for your work, and uh, let's all go forward together. A lot of good well, I hope you'll come done. back uh, and, and talk to us again on a future show here on The Nonprofit Coach. Uh, that was uh, Roger Craver, uh, the founder of Craver Matthews Smith & Company uh, and the founder and CEO of Donor Trends. Uh, dot com here on the nonprofit coach. Uh, we're going to uh, move on to our, our third and final um, uh, guest here on the nonprofit coach in this special extended version uh, of the nonprofit coach. Uh, our guests are coming to you live from the BBCon uh, Blackboard Conference. Uh, and before we uh, head over to our uh, exciting uh, final guest today, uh, Brian Stallings, who is the chief executive uh, officer of Top Ticks USA, uh, we do have a uh, message uh, for all of our listeners today uh, regarding the Google nonprofit program. Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help, volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call to action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization, such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today. And that's uh, the Google for Nonprofits uh, program, and uh, as always, you will find uh, that over in the radio links today here at uh, tedhart.com. Uh, Next here, live on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show is Brian Stallings, Chief Executive Officer of 
Top Ticks USA. Uh, he has spent more than a decade designing, developing, and implementing software solutions for arts and cultural organizations with a primary focus on resolving organizational challenges around ticketing. Uh, in his current role, Brian leads Top Ticks USA, a subsidiary of Top Ticks Limited, uh, to provide dynamic ticketing solutions to the for-profit market while partnering with Blackbaud to deliver solutions and support the nonprofit market. Prior to joining Top Ticks USA, Brian spent three years building software solutions for the New York Philharmonic, so he definitely knows what he's talking about. He also spent four years with BlackBot creating solutions and providing product expertise for BlackBot's ticketing and fundraising systems. Uh, to complement his focus on the arts and, and cultural organizations, Brian has over eight years of experience implementing and designing CRM solutions for several Fortune 500 companies while working at J.D. Edwards and PeopleSoft. Welcome here to the nonprofit coach, Brian Stallings. Brian, are you there? Let me, uh, let me make sure that, let me see. It's, uh, uh, Brian Stallings, are you here live on the nonprofit hey, coach? Hey, sorry about that. <laughs> Thanks for having okay, me. There, there you are. Another background noise. Okay, uh, let me just make sure I still uh, still have you here on the line. Is, are you still with us, Brian? Still there. Okay, great. Terrific, great, terrific. Great, great. Uh, Brian, hey, thank you for, for joining us. I don't know how much you got a chance to uh, to listen to uh, the, the uh, top of the show and the other uh, two guests that we have, but just absolutely inspiring stuff, talking about uh, the future of fundraising and, and what our listeners can do uh, to succeed. Uh, and now we've got an expert on uh, ticketing. Uh, which, of course, is, is a big challenge for any organization, arts, cultural, or, or any organization who has special events. Uh, so what what is new, and what do my listeners need to know if they're going to succeed? I did get a chance to listen to your prior uh, uh, guests, and it was great information shared there. Some good pieces to keep in mind, obviously, the challenges that they also uh, brought up being the, the benefits of your online versus your target how are you communicating with your customer? How are you getting people to uh, interact with your organization? Uh, you always hear it of, of uh, I want to be communicated with uh, and by the means that I want. Uh, you know, the, the use of mobile and Internet uh, from a ticketing side is ever increasing. Uh, we're all carrying around uh, very powerful computers that years ago you know, uh, outpower the computers that, of, of yesterday. And so allow us to shop in that manner. Uh, your younger generation, obviously, embracing the social media, uh, the Facebook, all the other different types of connector uh, mediums that allow for sharing and, and displaying and communicating with each other. Uh, and then also texting and all the other different types of pieces that, uh, that, that technology has introduced. Uh, we just need to be, find the ways in which we uh, embrace that and then allow our users to leverage those mediums to uh, interact with our organization, whether it be from a ticketing side or even from a, a donation side, because they tend to go hand-in-hand. Hand. A lot of times the organizations uh, will have a ticket buyer potentially before they have a donor, and so you need to have the ability for that person to work with you, uh, purchase the tickets that they want, and then obviously cultivate that into being a donor, and that's where the power of 
the, the various. Oh, Brian, I, I want I want to explore something with you that mm-hmm. you that you just said because I think it's it's extremely powerful and it really a, an opportunity for uh, my listeners to to learn something because uh, particularly for smaller nonprofit organizations who tend to gravitate towards special events um, as as fundraising, um, you just made a distinction between someone who buys a ticket and someone who's a donor that those are two different things. Can you help us understand why someone who buys a ticket is not necessarily a donor? So a lot of times in today's uh, society, especially with our younger crowd, we're looking for something uh, in return for our money. Uh, we don't, we aren't, weren't really brought up in necessarily in a philanthropic uh, mode and, and giving money to an organization is a little bit something you see on TV when a disaster hits. And so going to a performance or going to see a particular type of show is something that I'm very much into. I'm very much fed by this um, information given back to me, this media, this entertainment factor. And by buying a ticket and being entertained, so to speak, uh, I, I'm willing to fork out you know, 50, 60 bucks or how much ever to, be, uh, to receive something. And then at that point, I become involved with your mission. I start saying, oh, that was a great performance. Let me do a little bit more research, a little bit more uh, online browsing per, per se, you know, onto uh, the what this organization is about. And then you start looking at pushing me different types of either better performances, cultivating me into the subscriber, uh, and then cultivating me, obviously, into a longtime donor with you. Uh, you made reference in your uh, your prior interview uh, discussion was that uh, one of the organizations you worked with recently had an old website, and that's one of the killers, I think, from uh, from a, a, a ticketing selling proportion, is that you this thing has to be dynamic. It needs to not be static. It has to be constantly updated, constantly trying new types of promotion, new types of ideas around pricing, uh, you know, uh, promotional type pieces. To cultivate those people who may not be uh, you know, already ticket buyers or who may have heard you through uh, various uh, advertisements to give them incentive to you know get in the door because once you get that person in the door you solve the, the issue of finding someone who's interested in you but then you've also found someone who has uh, a, a propensity to give uh, to your organization long term and to become a much better member uh, with your organization. Yeah, and, and that distinction, I think, or do you agree, is is often lost, uh, particularly for smaller organizations. But is it is it true for larger organizations as well? Uh, larger organizations, I think, have a, a, a different style of uh, of challenge because most of us know of these larger organizations. Their piece is getting us uh, into the door and then keeping us there. Uh, we constantly see subscribers. Uh, you know, once someone becomes a subscriber, that subscription piece dying out. Uh, and, you know, how can we keep someone active within our organization to the point of even being able to wrap donations and, and fundraising components into their overall process and to make it very, very easy for someone to, to make that transition, I think, is another piece and a key strategy that smaller orgs uh, may struggle with as well as even larger organizations of, of when do I uh, push someone for more information or from a, into a donor mode uh, and then, obviously, from a purchase, anytime you've got someone on your website, uh, I'm very big on the website, the mobile, those types of things. Anyone actively working with you, you should be looking to try to, to uh, uh, you know, communicate, give them the information that they've given you, that you uh, have collected about them, about their shopping patterns. Potentially, this is a repeat visitor. They always get to the cart, and they, uh, they, they, they then leave the transaction. Uh, your, your prior ad was about Google and the, uh, the, the ability to do tracking uh, of the Google Analytics key to your success of your website. 
uh, and in your transaction. Uh, you know, take time, invest in your website, invest in Google Analytics and the, the, the uh, understanding of your buying patterns of your users so that you can know that, the, you know, the people who go through the subscription uh, process or go through this particular route into the system are always going to donate. So you can ask for more money. You can, and the people who go through single ticket, one out of every five donate. Maybe it's because it's difficult to understand where that particular or how to give, you know, make that an easy process for them. You can try different uh, components and measure them, uh, measure the success rates of those. And so to answer your question about is it difficult for larger organizations as well, it's, it's similar. They, have, they struggle with the same uh, types of challenges. I think that it's, uh, they have, A, the budget to throw at uh, d huge designs to the website and also huge efforts and analysis of their data to, to uh, leveraging the, the systems that Blackboard have and, and everyone else to kind of see the, the propensity of someone to uh, make that transition from a ticket buyer to a donor. Yeah, and that, and that really is a, a, an important uh, distinction. We're going to take just a, a quick uh, uh, break here, uh, Brian. When we when we come back, um, what I wanted to ask you to uh, share with my listeners today is I often share uh, with my listeners that for all the reasons that you are special and you are unique, uh, there there are things that are expected of you online that you have to have regardless of size of organization, for profit or nonprofit, because of of common experiences that people expect to have. And when it comes to buying something online, I think that's even greater uh, than uh, than it might be elsewhere. So we'll be right back with Brian Stallings, Chief Executive Officer of Top Ticks USA here on the Nonprofit Coach. Just a uh, program note, uh, this is a very special weekend that we have two nonprofit coach radio shows. Today uh, is our special uh, extended version of uh, the uh, show uh, live from BBCon. Uh, we started at 1130 Eastern today. We are going 90 minutes today. Typically the show is 12 uh, uh, noon Eastern on Tuesdays, and it's a 60-minute show. And we will be back with our regular show tomorrow uh, with Linda Lysakowski um, here talking about capital campaigns. Uh, and then next week on the 9th of October, uh, Sean Triner, who is a global fundraising guru, will be here on the Nonprofit Coach, followed by uh, the next week, Dave Sims from Leukemia Foundation, uh, and then we have David LaGreca uh, here to talk to us about uh, governance matters, uh, bylaws, and how your, or your board can succeed. That's on October 23, uh, and then uh, we wrap up the uh, month of October with Amy Eisenstein, who's going to be here talking about major gift campaigns. Uh, and we're going to head back over to the show. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And I do see a number of people on the switchboard. Remember, uh, you are welcome to listen to the show uh, uh, on the switchboard. But if you'd like to ask a question, press the number one. That will raise your hand on the switchboard. Let me know that you would like to ask a question. Uh, Brian, uh, back, back to you. This, this common experience that adds uh, is sort of a, a, an element of trust. 
to your website versus eBay, for instance. Um, what might that be? There's a couple of things that you can obviously put on your site and suggest uh, just from a vulnerability and liability perspective. Obviously, uh, secure payments, those types of things kind of go without saying, but there's a number of services out there that will actually uh, audit your site, uh, regardless of the system that you're using, and validate uh, if it's secure, if there's ga uh, gaping holes. There's always different types of uh, cross-site scriptings and everything else that you could potentially uh, have introduced based upon, uh, as was mentioned earlier, who built your website? It could have been the 20-year-old from five years ago, and some of these uh, security vulnerabilities may not have been there. So there's things like HackerSafe and some other types of systems that are out there that obviously can help you as an organization uh, ensure that not only your shopper is secure, that your, you as an organization are also secure. And what they allow you to do with that is, is you know, you sign your, it's as easy as going to the service, putting in your website, and they basically run uh, penetration type hacks you know, against the system or vulnerability checks to make sure that you're secure. And then in turn, they allow you to put their uh, logo uh, on your website, which obviously, uh, as a shopper myself on the web, uh, makes me feel uh, a little bit more confident in the, the transaction that potentially is not going to have any type of security issue or anything along those, uh, those lines. So tell us a little bit more about uh, Top Ticks USA specifically uh, and the work that uh, that your organization does. Now, do you work exclusively um, as a, a partner with BlackBot? For the nonprofit space, yes. Uh, BlackBot is our preferred distributor. Um, Top Ticks has been around since 2000. Uh, we built a, a product called SRO. Uh, outside of the U.S., it's called SRO. stands for standing room only. Uh, it has uh, been in production about 700 different organizations around the world, ranging from uh, the Middle East to Australia all the way over into the U.S. Blackboard partnered with Top Six back in 2005 to deliver patronage, as it's known to the market in the U.S., uh, into the market. And uh, we've been on our version, what's called our version three for uh, that time, and we are now bringing our version four uh, into the market, which introduces a whole web-deployed, service-oriented architecture type application. And so our role uh, with this is allowing BlackBot to be our sales channel for it and supporting them and delivering a great solution for their customers that obviously has a nice uh, integration and data sharing component between all of the other uh, BlackBot solutions that are delivered, the Razor's Edge, obviously, Financial Edge, BBC, and with all the new entities that they're bringing in, evaluating uh, means of sharing data so that you can as we mentioned earlier, take someone from that ticket buying experience all the way through to being a donor and being a, a good, solid member within your organization. And what's the ideal uh, client uh, for top ticks? Uh, there's really not an ideal. Uh, any client is obviously an ideal client. Uh, we range in uh, implementation sizes from selling multi-million uh, tickets a year all the way down to several thousand. Uh, we deliver in both a SaaS model, a service, uh, a software as a service model, uh, which allows us to do most of the hosting. So for your smaller organizations that are out there looking for systems, I know that Blackboard does this is, is the same with Razor's Edge. So you have the ability to uh, easily leverage uh, the technology, even though you may not have the IT staff or anybody on, on your uh, current staffing to, to handle servers and everything else. And then we have other larger, larger organizations, uh, and even moving into the for-profit sector, we've got uh, you know, soccer stadiums and other types of entities that are using our, our solution. And so uh, it ranges from 
again, your small uh, uh, smaller donors all the way up, or smaller uh, nonprofit organizations all the way up to very large uh, for-profit and even the very large uh, nonprofit organizations. Yeah, so so um the 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 tickets that you um provide in the integration to to Blackbot um exclusively for arts and cultural organizations or it could be used for any special event. Uh right now it's exclusively just for the Blackbot uh solution. So we do have the ability for extending the application uh through its API into any other type of system. We're currently looking at uh, a couple others and even into other types of event management systems uh for a larger organization. So there's nothing that ties uh the organization just to if you're gonna have uh top ticks you have to have Blackbot. Uh but you know Blackbot obviously we've identified as being one of the, the market leaders uh in the nonprofit space and then have uh looked to them to uh, provide a lot of the fundraising components out of it. Uh, while also inside Top Ticks, there is uh, basic fundraising for you to run uh, your organization. Uh, to your earlier question about what size uh, organization, we do have organizations that you know would, would buy and use just Top Ticks from a nonprofit perspective as well. Uh, the, the pieces from the integration with Razor's Edge brings in all the plan giving, the, the grant management, all the more involved fundraising. But if you're a smaller organization and you do just uh, you know your, your standard kind of Take additional donations. You know, uh, you buy a ticket and you want to round up your transaction to the next five dollars. You know, those types of things, or you know, you do basic hundred dollars, twenty dollars uh, donations. Then that you know, top ticks by itself uh, as a, a standalone system would work fine for you as well. We have uh, we have uh, uh, more than twenty four thousand uh, readers, uh, uh, subscribers to our newsletter, and thousands of listeners to this show uh, from all around the world. Um, what about outside of the U.S. and and uh, the utility of these services? Yep. So the, uh, the the application is completely translatable. Uh, we support. Uh, Right to left languages, we support uh, double byte, which is your your uh, Chinese and Asia style letters and character sets, uh, even to the point where our application will determine based upon the browser that is being connected to it which language to use. So if I, you know, especially in, maybe up in the the Canadian region, and I'm right on the the verge between someone who's the French speaking and the English speaking, if someone visits the site, they are uh, they have their browser set as a French speaking. Uh, uh, browser, you know, or, or once rendered in, Fran in French, it obviously would render the whole page in uh, in French versus an English person would see it in English. So we don't have any kind of challenges or limitations uh, based upon language or, or, or right-to-left orientation of the language, et cetera. So it's a really diverse uh, application. Uh, outside of the Toptics USA, we do have offices in the UK, which is also being uh, partnered with Blackboard UK. Uh, we have an office in Italy, Australia, and then also in the Netherlands, and then our final uh, offices in the Middle East. So we have offices all over the world, and each of them obviously are in their own language as well. Well, that's uh, that, that's terrific, and and that the support and the the sales, if you will, um, are are managed by Blackbot or separate from Blackbot. So the sales are obviously managed by Blackbot. So if your listeners would like to get more information about that, obviously calling into Blackbot would be the first place to go uh, or visiting their website and requesting more information. Uh, the support and services and implementation is kind of a combined and shared effort between the organizations depending on the specialty and the size of the organization. Uh, and and we, we think that's a great fit for uh, delivering the best uh, solution for 
the organization and kind of customizing the implementation towards what the organization would require. That's terrific. How can uh, my listeners uh, reach you, Brian Stallings, uh, Chief Executive Officer of Top Ticks USA? We do have a link to Top Ticks USA uh, at tedhart.com in the radio links today, but if my listeners uh, wanted to reach you directly, how could they do that? Uh, easiest way to do that is just through email, obviously. Uh, you, can, you can email me at brian at topticksusa.com. Uh, you can also go to your uh, website, to your links, uh, go to our website and fill out a little info request, and that comes straight to our group as well and can be uh, sent directly over to me. Uh, Bob just uh, emailed uh, in a question um, uh, about um, uh, mobile tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, uh what what sorts of uh, support do you provide for mobile technology and ticketed events? So our out-of-the-box solution provides uh, what we call an interface for all mobile devices. Uh, and so once you uh, come to the website, it detects, detects that you're on a mobile-enabled uh, device and directs you to a screen layout that's completely uh, kind of customized and sized for the particular uh, device that you're using. We do support the full picture-on-seat uh, component for the web or for your mobile as well. Uh, it can get a little challenging at times based on the, how big your venue is, but we do uh, allow for that interface. And the, the power behind the system is it allows you to design uh, define an unlimited number of interfaces. Uh, so if you wanted to design something that was specifically geared towards the Android, specifically geared towards the tablet Android, you know, and, and give different experiences based upon the types of devices that the, the uh, end user is connecting to you with, the system will allow you to do all of this. That's terrific. That's terrific. What's uh, what's the future hold for uh, for ticketing of events? Uh, do we sort of have what we need right now, or uh, is there a future state of Top Ticks USA? Well, I think it's ever growing, right? I mean, if you're not moving, then you're obviously uh, moving backwards. And so, uh, the future embrace of mo- of uh, the social media components, uh, we do have a component where you can embed a Facebook app right into your website and buy directly from our inventory, uh, et cetera. Uh, you know, seeing how that trends out, you know, Facebook is uh, ever-changing. There's another one right behind it probably that we will need to adapt to. Uh, we also see uh, more of, of sharing of, of tickets. So I'm not able to go to the show, but I want to be able to send it to you. And so how can I track that from an organizational standpoint? So that I know, you know, who came to the event. Also, then know that you, I should not start targeting you for, uh, you know, either mailings or further communication, and, and just ever growing the entity of the organization and the data point for data capture is really where we go. What are the, the additional means by which we can continue to capture data from the uh, our our own clients and prospects, as well as how can we continue to improve our communication out to those entities whether it be email, uh, standard mail, et cetera, what is the, the preferred means uh, that gets the best returns, and then being able to analyze it. I think that we'll see uh, trends start to uh, to go where we, we do a lot more and encourage a lot more data analysis. Uh, I'm sure if you, you sit down with anyone in the, an organization, you go, what's your your hit, your hit maps, so to speak, is what we call it, uh, your seats that sell the first and for the most expensive, uh, you know, some of them will know, and a lot of them won't, or some of them will think they know, uh, and it would be nice to have the data behind it to be able to say, these are the, the seats that are selling the best, and therefore you should 
price your system into a dynamic. And these are all uh, these are all uh, data sets that that uh, your company can uh, help right. drive more ticket sales for organizations. Brian Stalling, uh, Chief Executive Officer of Top Ticks USA. Thank you for being our guest here on the Thanks Nonprofit for. Coach. Thank you. And that uh, that wraps up uh, this uh, special edition of the Nonprofit Coach live from BBCon. Uh, we will be back tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern. Thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.